The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Update killed lower thirds again. Great. I am your host, Ridercat. You can find me at Ridercat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you've heard come from another than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on, in, on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings, a little under the weather, but still here hanging in. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. Yes, that is not an effect you hear on Agent 70's voice. That is his actual voice. <laughs> uh, so At least show. for now. Yeah, exactly. So he will probably be dipping out uh, halfway through uh, the program so he can uh, rest up. But for now, we are going to say that you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's ESPN.us. Do it today. And you can find this here podcast on your podcast virtual place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Um, we so first of all, real quick, uh, a little bit of business from last week that I totally forgot about. Um, shout out to to uh, what was his name? Uh, Gene Paul Ace Peter or something like that. I can't remember what it is. I apologize, but uh, we got a nice little sentiment uh, on the YouTube chat, which I forgot to I did not see. Uh, congratulating us on our fi- uh, 500 episodes. Um, and I had the note, unfortunately, I don't have it right now, but it was nice and said basically we we've been representing for for a good while uh to paraphrase what he said and um keep up the good work thank so, you, thank you that. thank you. We appreciate you absolutely for being here and everybody who's uh who uh, happens to pop through here. but we are in the five hundredth and first uh not to be confused with the uh the the regimen. Or the genes. Or the genes. Oh, yes. Or the genes. Oh, man. I forgot about 501's genes. <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to getting old. Uh, but, uh, and on that note, uh, on, on that path, actually, we are going to get into spoiler-free uh, impressions on uh, Season 2, Episode 3 of The Bad Batch. So, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the episode was called Solitary, The Solitary Clone. Right. Um, and it was centered around um, Crosshair for the most part, um, because, you know, after last season, at the end of last season, he was left on 
the 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 rubble of um Camino. That, there was the 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 the, the place in Camino, which right. is escaping me. Um. Uh, and apparently he's black back with the Empire for you know reasons because I guess he still believes in what the cause even though because you know there's always that one that still believes in the cause even though they're not really doing anything to uh <laughs> they're basically going doing everything you to they're in their power to tell you they don't want you there right and at the end of the day I'm wondering if maybe he just doesn't have a cause to follow he just likes the regimented you know uh life that he had my theory is that I think he's one of those ones that's like, no, this... So I think that's a little bit of it, but also it's more to the point that uh, he still believes... And he's even said as much. He's, he still believes in the Empire and and the and the, the order they're in, but he doesn't understand... Apparently he is starting to slowly understand that, you know, his place in that is... in, in that order is uh, slowly shrinking away from him um not to go too far into the whole episode but basically he's sent on a mission with um one uh, commander cody uh, whom we hadn't seen uh in, in in a minute um and uh let's says let's just say crosshair gets into some crosshair business uh during the course of it but we also get some remnants of the um uh, which at this point of the um of, of the timeline you know we're still kind of, kind of bridging the gap in t- between the um, uh, the Clone Wars, or the end of the Clone Wars, and um, uh, the, the 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 new Galactic Empire. Mm-hmm. You know that part. So we're still seeing remnants of the Clone Wars uh, show up um, uh, every now and then, which is also kind of funny because there's a Star Wars book, Star Wars book I read this week that also had some Clone Wars stuff in it. So it's all um, it's all synergy. Um, there's really not much there's to, else that I feel comfortable in saying because like the show, the show just came out a couple of days ago, so we don't want to give too much uh, away about it. But I don't know. You want to say your impressions on it? No, I mean honestly, I think the the important part of this episode is that we are reunited with the last part of the Bad Batch that we had not yet seen in the first two episodes of this second season, that being Crosshair. So now we've caught up with Crosshair, seen where he is, and it was you know nice to see um, what has happened to Com- uh, Commander Cody, and you know apparently what is you know what might be next for him right yeah we were saying right before the right before we started recording it was like yeah we hadn't really seen too much of at least at the, in this timeline uh we hadn't seen too much of cody or even afterwards that i could remember mm-hmm. uh seeing any any place where cody showed up like unless he did show up on rebels and i'm just totally blanking on that but i don't think so so but yeah Maybe we'll we'll um th- if the show has said done anything, it has pretty much set up the fact that it's like yeah, th- you are bound to see some uh, some people come and go and possibly show up, you know, uh, from that era in in various ways, you know, just kind of give them a like hey, here's where they are to now, and you may or may not know where they, you know, last end up where we last end up seeing, but this is kind of a transition from that 
to this or to from th- from this to that, basically. So there's been some speculated rumors as to who uh, a couple other people that might show up, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, given who we've already seen. But you know, so so only second season, and we're still early on in that. So uh, anything could happen um, as to where they're going with it. Uh, but yeah, so that's um, Bad Batch. Unless you got something, some, something else to say in closing. No, that's it. Cool. So now we're going to get over into the books. And yeah, hip, hip, hooray. I actually got covers this week. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, and we are going to start off with uh, Monica Rambeau, Photon, number two of five. Monica Rambeau, Photon, issue number two, is written by Eve L. Ewing, with art by Ivan Fiorelli and Luca Maresca, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, just as in our pre-show conversation, I will start off the conversation about this book by saying that Eve Ewing puts us right, literally right into the mind of Monica Rambeau and puts us right into the same experience that she's having, which is, wait a second, we were in, in one particular setting and, and or place in, at the end of the first issue, the previous issue, and now we find ourselves in a completely different place and or setting at the beginning of the second issue, And that throws our friend Monica for a loop. And it throws us for a loop as well. But as we end up finding out over the course of this issue, there are definitely reasons for this, let's say, kind of loopy storytelling that's going on. This this kind of loopy story, story that's going on. Right. It's, it's one part, um, as I'm gathering it, getting people who may or may not be familiar uh, with the history of Monica Rambeau in a way, or these certain beats of Monica Rambeau's story uh, uh, in a way, because you know there are people that might be coming into this from WandaVision, potentially, right? You know, so this story is kind of doing that in a, in a way. It doesn't necessarily go through the, all of the beats, but uh, it, it has and in, in these two issues already kind of hit some of the early beats of, uh, of our history. You know, I was kind of expecting this to go a slightly different place, but we still got a couple of uh, different issues to go. So it could very well hit that per- uh, point in time. Right. So, uh, right. Because there's a hold, I was about to say, hold that thought because it's, <laughs> it's, it seems like we're going through different stages of Monica's history in the Marvel comics. So, right. Um, you know, this particular issue hits upon a stage in her earlier, what seems to be her earlier career, because her mm-hmm. earliest, you know, her earliest career is obviously in the pages of the Spider-Man annual, but uh, pretty much soon after that, she's in the pages of Avengers and, you know, she takes a pretty lead role in Marvel superheroes, secret wars, you know, subsequent to that or concurrent with that. So, that's kind of the era that we're dealing with here in this second issue of this five issue limited series. 
Right. It kind of breezes through both of them because Secret Wars was like well before she ended up uh, leading the Avengers. Right. She was definitely with them, you know, in the original Secret Wars. Exactly. Touches touches on those points, kind of, like I said, kind of brushing us through those uh, finer points of her history. And I'm expecting uh, one more piece that that I can't wait for if and or when they do. And as I was telling Agent 70 before the show, it seems like they might be tying her power into uh, an entity associated with the event that we just, we just talked about. Right. Um, And if they are doing that and tying that into another part of her history, that's going to be the part that's going to be interesting to see uh, if and or how they do. It's going to be a quite literal ret. I mean, we literally have a retcon here because we are brought back to her very origin story. And, you know, we're seeing how that could possibly relate to what's being told in this story. So we will see what E-Viewing has in store for Monica. Yeah, like I'm still uh, still enjoying it. But as Agent uh, 70 and I were talking before the show, there were a couple of things I kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> More along the lines of characterization, speech yeah. patterns, things like that. It's like, wait, that's not Monica, but I get why. And we've had that we've you know if you've been listening or and or watching the show um, for any length of time we have had those issues with tonal you know character char- tonal characterizations exactly uh, because you know what Boy, I'm too old for this shit right basically oh, characters who like probably wouldn't have talked like that because of you know the the writers being younger than the characters right. <laughs> And as such, kind of change things, um, but yeah, we'll we'll keep going from there. Um, if you are a Monica Rainbow fan, I say you you may want to go ahead and pick it up. We don't know how it's going to end out, but you know it's it is a good read for anyone who who is a fan of those, especially. And if you are curious of the character, like I said, coming out of WandaVision, right? Say, so. Listen, if you're a fan of the character, period, you should at least be keeping up with this. Agreed. And find out what's going on because it's not every day that Monica gets this kind of spotlight. So um, it's important to support the character and to hopefully get more stories with her leading. You know, we're obviously going to see this character very soon in the Marvels. So, you know, expect to see more of her in the comic books. But at the same time, without reader support, there's no guarantee we're going to get any more. Yep, yep. And with that, uh, we can move on to uh, our next book. As I'm looking up something for later. Excuse me. Um, Go ahead and pick up a book. Uh, How about we do... Oh, as loath as I am to jump into dark web stuff. (laughs) So let's let's do a dark web book that we both read. Uh, how about, I'm surprised that you chose that, that, that I I read your note on this amazing Spider-Man number 17, and then we'll do Mary Jane and black cat. I'm not sure about the reading order on this. I don't think it applies here. Um, I believe Miss Marvel comes before Mary Jane. If I remember the reading order, right. But how does amazing fit in? Um, that one, I don't remember. Okay. I've read that. I think that might be before both of them, but actually, I can check real quick. Yeah, I was about to say, if you wouldn't mind, just because I did not read Ms. Marvel, and, you know, like, I, I, guess, I'll, I guess I'll get to it at some point. 
Right. Uh, while you're while you're running down the creative team, let me uh, one pull up that cover and then pull up the book. Sure. So um, so what? So we're settling on amazing. Yeah. Gotcha. Amazing Spider-Man number seventeen is written by Zeb Wells, with pencils by Ed McGinnis, inks by Cl- Cliff Rathburn, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by our favorite, always our favorite lettering Paisan, VCs Joe Caramagna. So I was, you know, I was surprised to see Roddy Cat make a note that he seemed to enjoy this issue. Whereas yours truly, Agent underscore 70, kind of gritted my teeth and read my way through it. So um, bottom line here is that Spidey finds himself um, – it's not a spoiler – that huh. limbo plays a very big role in this crossover, this event. So Spidey finds himself in limbo in a mirror version of the Daily Bugle. However, along with this mirror version of the Daily Bugle staff, he also finds himself stranded there with one J. Jonah Jameson. And that does provide for some comedy. Right. Well, apparently, at some point, they took, I think uh, Ben had took uh, not only J. Jonah Jameson, but Robbie and maybe somebody else. And I think about it because because Robbie does show up. here. Yeah, Robbie. Yeah, Robbie does show up for a split second. You're right. Yeah. So I think it was like, yeah, it was it was Peter and a couple of other people that was that was brought in. As a matter of fact, I think it was just uh, Robbie and, and, and Jonah. Now I think about it, given what happened in, in this in this issue. So. But yeah, so for myself, I didn't, I, I enjoyed what happened in the book. I'm not enjoying the fact that it's still dark web. Got it. Because some, there was some amusing stuff that, uh, that, were, that happened in, during the course of this story that I was like, okay, you know what? They're, they're, there was, Zeb was having some fun with it. Right. You know, um, but as far as this whole dark web thing, I'm still not, you know. Like this just happened to be a fun bit in the thing, but it was like, okay, nah, this it, the whole thing, uh, the whole trappings is still not great. Right. I mean, chasm, you know, chasm and 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 the Goblin Queen kind of bickering right. on the side. I'm like, ay, ay. <laughs> right. But you you get things like, and there was a and a, so we get um. And we get a little bit of MCUification. Five minutes later. It's Friday the 13th, so shit happenings. Yeah, pretty much. We're in the midst of talking about um, Amazing Spider-Man 17. And I think we're pretty much about finished with that. Anyway, yeah, pretty so. much, because there is not that much story to it. Right. Um, you know, there's a bunch of splash pages. There's a... A couple of fun reveals that Zeb Wells had to have fun with, you know, yeah. you know, with the limboification, you know, like I, you know, I hate to stretch that particular, uh, uh, that particular uh, uh, form of phrasing that we've that we've been want to use into mm. something else, but you know, uh, he's done, you know, it's it's kind of a, a cross between like the venomification of things and the limboification limboification of things with a little bit of mad balls thrown in there, which kind of made me laugh. 
You noticed yeah, that, right? When it was a Marvel property at one point. Right. You, time, you, so. you noticed that, right? I was like, wait, that, that, mm-hmm. that looks very Mad Balls-like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did notice that. Which actually brings me to the point, I think, now that I remember what I was making before we got uh, rudely interrupted, there was kind of an mcu vacation in that, uh, in a way, because there was a meeting between a couple of characters that kind of sort of mirrored mirrored um something that happened in one of the andrew garfield uh spider-man movies really yes as a matter of fact and it didn't necessarily go like it did in the end of the book but kind of not really kind of kind of sort of but not really (laughs) okay yes i have to think back on it now yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, you know, and for for anybody else who wants to pick this up and, and um and not be spoiled, we won't mention it here. But I, and maybe it's because I'm I, a little tuned into looking for the the MCU parallel stuff. And actually, it's not even technically it's not even MCU vacation because let's face it, the Spider Man movies, especially those particular ones that I that I just mentioned, the ones I just mentioned, are not a part of the MCU. Right. But um. Nevertheless, the the parallel between uh, the the something that was in one of the movies and showing up in the comic book, you know, is is seemed like it was there for me. Let's put it that way, ah, or at least there for you to detect. Exactly. So I don't know if that was intentional or if that was a, an actual thing, and I'm just uh, and I'm just uh, making that to be something like this. But it sure did seem like it. Okay. Uh, that being said, if, do do we want to like quickly do the the or we just want to just go ahead and rapid fire? We just start off. Yeah, we'll just rapid fire and just start off with the rest of the uh, dark, dark web stuff. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good to me. Firing it up. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, rapid fire. So, uh, how about we alternate? Because I did not read uh, Ms. Marvel. So you want to look because you said that Ms. Marvel's next in the reading order. Oh, so I get it. Yes, yes, they, they were. So it was amazing. Um, it was amazing, Ms. Marvel, and then Dark, and right? Then, uh, Mary Jane right. So and, if you could cover Ms. Marvel, then then uh, I'll jump back to Mary Jane and Black Cat. Okay, solid. Let me. Uh, just, I'm sorry, real quick, because I forgot to pull something up before I. Oh, uh, I was about to say I'll I... scroll down and and read the credits at least. All uh, right. So Dark Web Ms. Marvel number two of two is written by Sabir Peraza with art by Francesco Monterino, color art by Proto Bunkers Dono Sanchez Almara and Fernando Cifuentes. Letters are by VCs Ariana Mar. Take it away. Um, all right. Oh. I hate when that happens. So yeah, um, eight hasn't hasn't read this yet. Um, also, um, so I won't spoil too much for him. But this is the second of two in the Miss Marvel uh, Dark Web chapter, and uh, let's just say, um, where she ends up, she doesn't stay that particularly long. Um. Or where we found that she's, she uh, ends up, she doesn't stay very long. And it ends up going into uh, a story that could be perceived as furthering her story, her or her particular 
uh, story um, in a couple of different ways that I'm thinking about it because there was, um, yes, there was an adversary from her, from one of her past books that happened to come back in here because it was a dark web story, but also um, some other side stuff with people you know, around her in her community, let's say, right. that uh, gets addressed uh, during the course of this. And as I said, told Agent 70 before the show, it might seem like something that might have been mentioned and or at the, release, at the very least kind of mentioned and thought about in uh, the course of the Miss Marvel show. As opposed to any volume that we've read of Miss Marvel, even though I know it, some of this has kind of come up and in, in, in spurts, you know, but nothing as is, hey, this needs to be addressed. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that's pretty much the, the crux of that. Like I said, it, it still seems like this was kind of tacked on um, to dark web. But as we've been saying, like, yeah, it's, it's great to see Miss Marvel. You know, gets getting some shine anywhere, but it also still feels kind of like unnecessary that she's had anything to do with the dark web stuff. Right. So that's pretty much that. Now we can go on to um, yeah. So I'll I'll take uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat number two of five, mm-hmm. which is written by Jen McKay with art by Vincenzo Caratu. Colors by Brian Reber and letters by VCs Ariana Mar. So we catch up with MJ and Black Cat again in limbo, but here they are dealing with Belasco. Now, interestingly, it seems like the point of this this five issue limited series is for Mary Jane and Felicia Hardy to kind of hash out their feelings and status quo outside of the pages of amazing spider-man because what seems to be the never-ending saga of what the hell happened to mary jane and peter between the last run of amazing and this run of amazing is you know it will be told to us eventually you know within the next four or five months right they said april right I believe that's true. Right. So we still got some months to go, folks. And that basically covers the span of time uh, for this dark web uh, uh, event because Mary Jane and Black Cat is another three issues. So bottom line here is that we're probably going to see what happens or at least just we'll, we'll, we'll get to see Mary Jane and Felicia really hash out one you know, Felicia's feelings towards Peter and how Mary Jane plays into all that, given what happened in between the last run of Amazing and this one. That seems to be the crux of this with the dark web event kind of playing uh, in the background, let's say. Right. And they're still teasing us on that whole, like Agent Seven is kind of inferring, they're still kind of teasing us on the whole Mary Jane thing, even going so far as they're kind of adding something like ever so slightly in to thing, especially with in this series, in this particular miniseries, like she's got powers from somehow, right? That we they still haven't explained, right? Uh, um, and the, the re-mentioning of the six months, you know, in uh, in a new light. So it's like, okay, just please stop. 
right, 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 right. <laughs> Can't we just get over this and tell us what's going on? But no, they will not. Right. All righty. Next up, uh, yeah, that's it for the dark web stuff. Thankfully, yes. Uh, back to rapid fire for me, Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo number three of seven. It's written and drawn by Mark Silvestri with colors, I believe, by Arif Prianto. What's important about this issue is that in the third issue, we now, uh, it seems at least have an idea of who the primary antagonist of this book is. Because if you recall, based on the title, Batman and Joker are forced to team up. To save the people, to save people that are very important to them. So, who could get the Batman and the Joker to team up? That's what we find out maybe in this issue. Next up is Black Panther number 13. It's written by John Ridley with art by Herman Peralta, colors by Sebastian Chen, and letters by VCs Josephino. I believe you read this, correct? Yep. So... This is T'Challa and his newfound friends, plus some of his old found friend, oh, some of his older friends, plus some of his family, and where a lot of people just find themselves not trusting him, and uh, things come to blows. But at the end of the story, we find ourselves MCUified. And therein lies where I had an issue with this. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Because it seems like it's a little out of the blue. Right. Uh, even though they, they kind of draft these books, you know, four to six months, whatever, in advance. But at the same time, you know, just, given what we know about the history between T'Challa and who shows up at the end, uh, comic book wise, that that's that's where the rub is for me. Right. Um, there was also something else because, well, as I said, the Avengers show up and, and was like, okay, are, are you really going to do this now when you have this whole big ass thing, other thing that that that's going on, you know, um, in in the situation? You're really going to try to to do this as opposed to taking care of the bigger problem. That's that's the other thing I had a problem with in this issue. Listen, you know, I'm not so sure what Ridley's trying to – I mean, I I think I know what Ridley's doing here, but I'm like, wait, hasn't this been done before with Black Panther? Like, you know, making him like the distrusted member of the Avengers again? I mean, kind of that's how he started. So, I know, yeah. but it's like <laughs> – no, but you, 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 that's my point. That's how he started. So, I'm like, no, why are we going back there? Yeah. Right. Like, why are we going back there? I don't know either. It doesn't make no sense. So, all right. If you, if there's nothing else to add, I'll move on to Daredevil number seven. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Rafael De La Torre and Marco Cacchetto. Inks by Elisabetta D'Amico. Colors by Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. We find in this issue the next stages of uh, Daredevil and Elektra's battle uh, as leaders of the Fist against Frank Castle and the Hand. Um... But, uh, you know, we're finding out uh, that, uh, you know, Zdarsky seems to be writing a little bit more about, uh, you know, prison and prisoner reform and what, you know, we're trying to do here, you know, with uh, the criminal justice system. That seems to be an allegory that seems to be running through this story. And there are strong hints at it in this issue. But we do have just a few steps taken 
to advance the uh, the superheroic side of the story. Next up, as you could hear me kind of uh, wearing down, folks. So as soon as uh, I get through the books, I'm probably going to be signing off. Next up is Miles Morales, Spider-Man number two. It's written by Cody Ziegler with art by Federico Vicentini. Colors are by Brian Valenza and letters are by VCs Corey Petit. I believe Roddy Cat read this as well. Yep. So what's interesting about this is that Miles finds himself again, you know, he very much has like the Morales luck. It's very, it's, it's a, it's an offshoot of the Parker luck, right? That's just a spider. It's a spider character thing, apparently. And he's got relationship troubles. He's got school troubles. He even has a form of family troubles, despite the fact that his family actually knows that he's Spider-Man, know that he's a Spider-Man, right? So this issue finds Miles trying to get away from it all, but finds himself neck, neck deep in some other stuff as he's trying to kind of web swing to clear his head. And he uh, basically teams up with uh, a member of Heroes for Hire slash, um, uh, what was their detective agency called? Daughters of the Dragon. Was that, no, wait, was, was the, was the, that wasn't the the, the detective agency, but. uh, Right, that that was. All right, I was asking about the detective agency. I'm like, I wanted to not say Daughters of the Dragon. I was like, wait, they had a detective agency. I couldn't remember what it was, though. But, uh, yeah, no, we find find Miles teaming up with Misty Knight. And uh, there's a little bit of what we encountered in the Monica Rambeau issue here as well, where I hear... Misty kind of speaking, maybe a little on the young side, but then maybe we're just getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yes, possibly. You know? So Cody Ziegler's kind of young, so therefore right. that lends the, lends the tone. Right. As we've said before. Right. So, you know, but bottom line here is, you know, I, 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 I appreciate, you know, the thought behind the story. I appreciate Miles, you know, uh, getting in touch with some of the other uh, characters that uh, that he can relate to because of you know despite the fact that he does walk around in a full body body uh, costume, he is a person of color and he's you know interacting with other heroes of color. And we find in this issue that uh, uh, the hidden villain stalking uh, the background of the first issue reveals herself in this issue. And apparently is a, 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 a Static Shock fan, given the get up. I guess. Yeah, that's how I took it when I saw it. I was like, that looks like some straight up Static Shock thing when you came in. Uh, the only other thing I have to add to this real quick is that I do love that um, one is the, a unofficial team up between uh, Miles and Misty Knight to where he even called it out. Or he called out that he would, you know, would mind wanting to do that, and she was giving him a whole lot of advice. The one thing that kind of, I kind of bumped on is the fact that it was like, well, before they even started doing what they were doing, Miles had taken a phone call. And was like, so you're just gonna do it right there, you know, just giving clues to your secret identity, huh? Like you could have just like wept away a little, little bit. <laughs> like, excuse me, I gotta go, get, I gotta go take this. I'm like, no, you're just gonna do it right there. Cool. All right, bet. I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of the 
that, that that's kind of uh, Cody Ziegler speaking to the youth of today. They will pick up their phone anywhere. You're right. You're right. And who? You know, that's that that, that is again us. Boy, I'm get too old for this shit. So next up is Moon Knight number nineteen. I believe Roddy, I read this as well. It's written by Jen McKay with art by Federico Sabatini. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Corey Petit. I enjoyed this issue. I, I like the idea of uh, Hunter's Moon and Moon Knight kind of coming to uh, a, a point in their relationship where they have to realize that they can't keep going on in the way they've been going on. And there is a revelation in the issue that that kind of causes that. And... um. This bellhop guy or this captain guy, I was like, where did this guy come from? Was so, he in a previous okay. issue? Did I? I think I skipped an issue and I and, and I didn't. I didn't. I, I might have missed an issue. So I'm like, who is this guy? This, my friend, is a throwback to a uh, a long time ago, basically. So this character that shows up, who I thought was JoJo based on the cover, is uh, show, first showed up in uh, Moon Knight. Actually, like one of the first volumes of Moon Knight. Okay. That's kind of a one-off, I believe. And then ended up um, uh, showing up in Power Man and Iron Fist. Gotcha. Of a similar era. So, yeah. like So, so this is basically a throwback to, I think, 70s or something. Um, I have, If you go down to my um, go down to my notes, you'll, there's a link to uh, this, this person. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, in that. But that's pretty much what that is. Because I, I, I was kind of wondering myself until I looked them up. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. So I think this issue is going to read better for me as part of uh, a longer arc. As an installment in the current series, I kind of, you know, was left wanting. But I appreciate what, uh, you know, McKay is trying to do here. He, you know, there's some... Um, some real world building, but at the same time, you know, really digging deep into the Moon Knight mythos and kind of digging up lots of pieces of the story to kind of refit them, retrofit them into what he wants to tell now. Right. There's a weird natural born killers parallel, even though I think I've only seen parts of that movie, given like the conversation that's, that's in the beginning with uh, the Zodiac and the doctor. Uh, that, that I can't really put my finger on. So it was kind of it was kind of weird. Gotcha. But, yeah. Gotcha. Next up. All right. Last but not least for my rapid fires, X-Men number 18. I believe right here I read this as well. It's written by Jerry Duggan. Art by C.F. Villa. Colors by Matt Miller. And letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, what was interesting about this is that we have a little bit of resolution to the issue of having two Laura Kinneys, two X-23s, two Lady Wolverines, as it were. So that is the crux of the issue. Um, we also end up with a cliffhanger at the end, which is kind of sad. I'm like, wait a second. Don't you do that to, you know, this character? Right. So I will leave it at that. That's, that's, oh, 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 uh. Uh, before Roddy Cat continues, uh, we did note in our pre-show conversation that it was nice that in this issue they do give uh, uh, more than subtle notes, like really heavy notes to follow up on the X, the recent 
Exterminators limited series because some of those characters feature prominently in this story. Right. And what they were doing in that story, which is actually still going on now. And I think about it. I mean, as far as, you know, because I think there's still a couple of issues left or at least one, two issues left. Right. So. so it's interesting that they use this issue to kind of boost uh, attention for that so, for that uh, limited series. Right. But, it, but the framing was it to kind of and I get it, it, it. It's actually pretty cool because it was like, OK, they framed it into kind of putting these two characters together in order for them to hash out some things. Right. So so it just so happened that this other story happened to be a pretty good framing, you know, to, to do that in. Cool. Uh, you said that's it for you. Yep. Are you do you want to bow out now or you want to wait till I finish and give click? Yeah, no, 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 no. I'll wait till the click. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So for myself, we start off with um, I am Batman number 17, uh, which was written by we're bringing back John Ridley here for this one. Um, uh, pardon me as I I'm trying to do a couple things at once here. Um, written by John Ridley, art by Kristen Deuce. Uh, and Arduetto Pansica and Julio Ferreira, colors by Brex Locus and letters by Troy Pateri. So, um, Jace finds out something about his family or specifically about himself at the end of last issue. And the first part of the issue uh, is pretty much he and his family is dealing with that, although as uh, his mom's or his as the mother figure says, you have no right to be judgy about what happened. It's kind of a trope in certain films, whatnot. So I won't go into what that is. And given who the writer is, I'm not surprised that they, they that uh, this was a this was a thing that was used. So it, it kind of made me roll my eyes. I was like, really? But it ends up with um, uh, Jace and. Uh, uh, his little sister, who apparently is is Robin Reddy at this point, uh, going and uh, confronting a, a situation with Ezekiel King to um, to rescue someone, and we also find out that uh, another, uh, as I might note, say another challenger enters the ring uh, to kind of help out uh, in the story. So someone that is known to at least one of those characters. Um, uh, as an interest. So curious as to where all that's going to go, but yeah, this, this, this book continues to be uh, at, with the exception of a couple of things, like this, uh, the, the whole eye rolliness of the, the reveal of what, uh, uh, what came out last issue and this issue. It's, it is what it is. Uh, next up, we have danger street number two of 12. Um, this is a, a Tom King joint. Actually, get it. So let's see. There's a couple. Oh wait, it's, it's a written by Tom King, art by George Fornes, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, so we didn't talk about the first issue, but basically, there's like kind of three different, three or four different stories, kind of um, uh, all rolled up into one, but they are all pretty much connected. So. On one hand, you have uh, these these local kids who I don't know about, but I'm sure DC folks probably know who they are, the Dingbats. Um, there's these other team of rich young folks called the Green Team, 
which I've heard about, but I don't know anything about. Uh, then there's like Warlord and Starman. And well, as of last issue, um, Metamorpho was kind of getting into something because they were trying to get into the Justice League. Uh, but that didn't go like they planned. And uh, it involved and, and something happened in that whole situation right there. Then there's Lady Cop, which apparently is another DC character that I'm not familiar with. But um, they are pretty much on the case as it were. And then there's this other character, I guess, named the ogre who is, uh, by day a news person or was a news person who's trying to find a job and have found a spot somewhere. So all of these kind of stories are kind of sort of coming together into a thing. Um, as Tom King tends to do, it's kind of been interesting actually from, from what I've read, it's a black label joint. So, you know, it's a little, a little bit more, I guess, mature in tone. Uh, even though I know there's not really any hardcore swearing or anything in it, but nevertheless, you know, black label do what black label books do. Um, if you like Tom King's stuff up until now, the, the kind of stories he's been doing, hey, you you might enjoy this one. Uh, let's see. Next up for me is Tiger Division number three of five. Um, I don't know if Agent Seventy is going to get around to reading this. You, you can spoil. No, I was about to say you could spoil it. I'll I'll probably skip it. Yes. There's not really much to say about it, but uh, written by Emily Kim, art by Kreese Lee with uh, Craig Young, um, color artist Yin Nitro, and letters by VCs Ariana Maher. So this this whole um, miniseries has been pretty much um, um, uh, about the the character of Taguchi, 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 excuse me. Taguchi! Yes, thank you. Um who's pretty much the head of Tiger Division or the leader of Tiger Division. He's kind of the, the Superman of the team. Um, uh, but he's, um, he's um, been having some, some flashbacks to some childhood stuff, which his child, basically his childhood is coming back to haunt him in, in a way. And uh, one of the other members of the team kind of, kind of been worried about him and have tracked him down. And now the whole team kind of knows what he's, um, or at least partially knows what he's been doing, dealing with, but not why. Um, we also get a flashback as to how to take out his powers, uh, which has to do with the creator of the original Human Torch, uh, apparently. Uh, and that is pretty much the crux of this issue. Uh, where it's going, don't know, still got two issues. Star Wars, Darth Vader number 30. Uh, pause for effect. Pink. Written by Greg Park. Park, excuse me. Art by Luke Ross. Uh, colored by Federico Blee. And uh, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So, the rest of the handmaidens, uh, the former handmaidens of Padme are looking for one of their own who has been under the service of uh, Darth Vader. Um, they don't know whether she's turned or being like held against, not held against a will, but they kind of find out what she's been doing for Vader. And she's like, well, we're either going to save her or we're going to stop her. Um, which doesn't go the way they planned it because uh, some things happened in the course of this I issue. And I, as I mentioned earlier, there are some, uh, Clone, War, Clone Wars holdovers that kind of have been into play, such as the son or the grandson of uh, 
uh, Wat Tambor, if you, that name sounds familiar to you, and also a bunch of battle droids who apparently uh, come into play in this uh, particular issue. But uh, it seems that Vader, at the end of this issue, seemingly gets the uh, gets the um, upper hand and possibly some new recruits. But we will see how that plays out going for, forward. Uh, and I believe... Nope, got one more. And I can't believe I actually read this this week. Um, but Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number nine... Uh, actually, I got a couple more. Sorry. Uh, written by Tochia Anabuchi, art by Arby Silva, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and uh, color artist Jesus Abertov. Um, so the White Wolf set up a trap for Sam and Ian, and uh, they're trying to deal with that. And um, I, as far as I know, Agent Seven is going to see this, so uh, us going to read this at some point. So. The only thing I'll say to that is that um, the other side of the story that's been going on kind of comes into play at the end of this issue. For okay. yeah, for reasons. <laughs> okay. And I'll leave it at that. Um, Avengers: War Across Time, number one. Uh, this is one of those. Hey, this is a new story set in a uh, or in between a past time story. This is uh, written by Paul Levitz with art by Alan Davis, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by Corey Pettit. So, I was about to say, uh, hold on, I, uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know about this. So when yeah. I saw this, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Paul Levitz is a DC name, uh huh, right? And it's interesting. And I saw the cover, I was like, oh, Alan Davis did this. That's pretty cool, right? So and it's all has all you know the look of the the look of the book the art in the book definitely harkens back to you know obviously a little bit cleaner not cleaner obviously a little bit more modern take on that classic sensibility in art back then but right. it's still clean enough to be like okay yeah that this works sure so um, and as uh, as the book says I mean as the title would probably intimate war across town time has to do with a certain time traveling uh villain at the end of uh at the end of it who kind of kicks things off but we don't really see them particularly too much better but you know in the, the course of this uh miniseries which I believe is five issues they're going to be a part of I wonder why that would be hmm things, doesn't have anything to do with no movies coming out possibly. things that make you go hmm Exactly. But this takes place after Avengers number 11 from 1963, which uh, in which they had just finished battling, apparently, um, a machination of said villain, uh, only to battle another one of the uh, villains machinations uh, in the in this particular issue. But we also get a couple of good cameos by uh, some Spider-Man uh uh, side characters, uh, apparently. Well, a yeah, two, a couple of Spider-Man characters, uh, side characters, and um, well, around that time, one Rick Jones, who you know would have been, uh, would have been around uh, at that kind of time, piling around with the team. So, if you are kind of interested in anything I just said about that, you would probably might want to pick this up. And actually, that is it for me, because my last one was uh, X-Men 18, which we'd already talked about. Cool. So, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. 
Uh, we got one from Dirt, which was 10,000 Black Feathers, um, number five. And he said, oops. Uh, hang on, I gotta pull that back. Oh, come on. What are you doing? Oh. That makes sense. Hang on a second. I gotta pull up the chat to see what he says. Um, while Agent 70 is thinking about his, which maybe he already has. But I was um, actually gonna see who published this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, too. I got to see if I have the cover for it. That was the other thing I was looking for. But he basically said, uh, not the ending he was expecting, but a great ending nonetheless. Um, now, let's see if I actually have the cover for this book. Because Dirt has a tendency to sometimes pull some stuff that we don't normally... <laughs> we don't it's normally, an image uh, book. Is it? Yeah. Bone Orchid, Bone Orchard, 10,000 Black Feathers, number five of five. I don't know if I have that. I don't know. I pulled, um, no, I pulled all the image uh, stuff. So, yeah, maybe that one that was just missed. Oh, well. But that one is, that is that one. Yeah, it's a Jeff Lemire book. Oh. Jeff Lemire, Andreas, uh, Andrea Sorrentino, and Dave Stewart. That actually kind of explains some things. Yeah. But, um, okay. And I was speaking of image books, Time Before Time came out, and I forgot to read that. But, nevertheless, yeah, I don't seem to have a cover here, which I don't know how I missed that one as opposed to the other ones I got from Image. So I don't know. Either way, uh, that was uh, Dirt's book, 10,000 Black Feathers, number five. Yep. Uh, for my, for, you got yours? I have narrowed it down and I think I'm going to go with a very weird pick because I was pretty unenthusiastic about most of the Marvel stuff I read this week. <laughs> so I think I'm actually going to go with the one thing that even though the story is kind of flimsy, I kind of appreciated that the story itself, the overall story of the uh, seven issue series was moving forward was uh, Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo number three. Interesting. There was something particular about it, or just because it was just because it moved the story along, and mm-hmm. you know, most of the Marvel stuff I read this week just you know was very you know meh to me. I was like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> right. Uh, for myself, I'm kind of in between like X Men eighteen and um. Amazing Spider-Man number 17, which I'm very surprised at myself. I am surprised. I'm like, what? <laughs> like I said, it had nothing to do with the dark dark web stuff. It was just like, like there was some fun bits that happened throughout the course of the story. Right. Like, you want to lay down? No, I don't. Right. <laughs> yes. That was part of that, too. Yes. Um, so for for that, I'm like, okay, this is this is more fun than I would have expected any part of dark web to be. Um, in fact, just to kind of, and Avengers War Across Town for what it was, you know, sometimes there's those things are like, what is the purpose of this thing? But we, I think we kind of get what the purpose of this thing, of course, what that thing is, is going to be, um, given what's going around also, which I will talk about in the news, but, um, you know what, uh, 
Miles was all right too, but it was I was like, okay, sure. There, there could have been a little bit more a little bit more to it. Um I'll just go with amazing. Uh just to kind of move things along. Cause yeah. Outside of that, there was a some stuff was like, yeah, okay. This is it is what it is, like Agent 70 said, but not bad, not great either. Just yeah, it is what it was. And with that, um and uh, you can see the the that Avengers cover with the with the Disney folks on that for some strange reason, as, as opposed to the uh, Amazing Spider-Man. But hey, go for it, like the Spider Friends do. And with that, let's get one ad read in. Right. So I'm going to leave Roddy Cat the the shortest ad read, and I'm going to get another ad read in. So Roddy Cat knows what I mean. Mm-hmm. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise including their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, Go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click the keep. Then click on the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And uh, Roddy Cat's going to get into the news, but I am about to sign off, folks. So um, hopefully Roddy Cat will talk about his impressions on the Quantum Mania trailer. Um, I'll tell you that I uh, was I enjoyed it, but was very confused by parts of it, and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, at this point, I'm just want ready for the. The only, yeah, I'm ready for the movie. I don't really didn't really need another trailer, but I kind of wish it wasn't. Bless you. Thank that's, you. That's, that's, that's We're just waiting for the tickets to go on sale, folks. Which I would think they should be at this point. Now that they got that uh, the the trailer out, so and it's only like a almost a month away at this point. Right. It's probably so, very soon. Yeah. But with that, um, we'll let uh, Agent 70 go rest up while I uh, dig into the news. All right, folks. So here I go. And. Yeah. Uh, So it appears that uh, Nicolas Cage and the Spider-Man Noir won't be making a comeback for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, in an interview with Screen Rant promoting the old way, Cage confirmed that he isn't returning to uh, Across the Spider-Verse and shared his appreciation for Spider-Man Noir. He also said he was a Trekkie and not not down with Star Wars, but that's a whole other article that I did not put into the thing. Um, it says, when asked what are the chances that fans will see Spider-Man Noir again, Cage replied, you'd have to ask Sony. Uh, I don't know what's going on with that. No one's spoken to me about that. Ask them. I don't know. I really don't. I wish they would. I love Spider-Man Noir too. I think it's a great character. Spider-Man's the coolest superhero uh, next to his love of uh, Superman. Let us not forget. (laughs) 
because that man loves him some Supermans. But anyway, so yeah, so um, according to this article that um, uh, says that this most likely means that Spider-Man Noir is absent uh, from across the Spider-Verse, though there may be always, a, there's always a possibility Sony Pictures animation we cast apart, or he may come into that second part, as I'm going to uh, posit. We'll see. Uh, next up, though, Black Panther Wakanda Forever digital and Blu-ray release has been announced with uh, bonus features. So, yes, folks, uh, Black Panther for Wakanda Forever is going to stream on Disney Plus February 1st. That's uh, two short weeks from now. So if you haven't seen it at all or if you just want to see it again, uh, that will be and you have Disney Plus. Uh, that will be the time you will be able to recapture the magic, as they say. Uh, as far as the Blu-ray, uh, there's going to be um, a steel book from uh, Best Buy uh, with some, some nice-looking art on it. If you're watching the video version, you can see said art. Um, uh, that would from the 4K version. And uh, it looks like uh, physical the physical Blu-rays are going to be released on February 7th. So, and actually it says here, two Best Buy exclusive Steelbooks designs with uh, Wakanda and Talokan themes and a Walmart exclusive enamel pin. So, I guess for the um, Walmart exclusive uh, uh, physical release. Uh, these releases also include bonus content such as deleted scenes, a gag reel, and commentary from Ryan Coogler, Joe Robert Cole, and Autumn Durard um, Archipal. Uh, two movie bundle will also be available on major digital platforms. So, have at it, folks. Soon and very soon. Angel Bassett gives touching Chadwick Boseman tribute after Black Panther 2 win at the Golden Globes. So yeah, Golden Globes happened recently. Um, Angela Bassett won for uh, her portrayal of Ramonda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And as this article says, gave a um, gave a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, which I did not, uh, which is attached to this article. If you are, check, check out the show notes. And uh, I did not watch uh, the Golden Globes. Uh, nor her acceptance speech. So I did not hear um, the, the tribute itself, but I'll probably check that out after, um, after I finish programming, after I finish recording. Uh, let's see. Next up. Oh, come on. There is a new Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer. Um, pardon me, folks, while I try to... Uh, Oh, I hate that. This kind of sucks. I don't know what's going on with Marvel. Or I guess my machine and and Marvel. Uh, dot com that it won't. It, it won't uh, show some things. But uh, how about if I bring up this article from Space dot com? Because that's that makes a lot of sense, right? And wabam. Let's make sure it's showing up on OBS. So yeah, uh, the final Ant-Man and Wasp uh, Quantumania trailer uh, is out. Uh, came out on uh, Monday, January 9th, apparently. Oh, wait. What the heck? That's a college... F- oh, it says during Monday night's um, foosball, football game, college football game, that's when the trailer for Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania 
um, came out. I did not watch said sporting event because I'm not a sports person, but I saw it later on. So uh, there is that. Um, if you have been avoiding trailers, good on you. <laughs> like I can safely say that this trailer kind of gives a couple of things, but doesn't necessarily give you much too much more than the last few trailers. But then again, if you have seen the last few trailers, I guess it was, it was going to give you a little bit, but nevertheless, Hey, as I've told some people recently, you know, if you can get to see the movie without, um, <clears throat> without too many trailers or no trailers at all and go in, you know, fully unspoiled, that's great because these trailers tend to give away a lot of things, uh, annoyingly. So, so, uh, but Hey, we only got a couple of weeks, um, for that also. Cause actually, um, uh, see, here you go. There we go. Um, because actually I forgot to give the date of said uh, movie. February 17th. So not only are we getting uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever physical version on the 7th. And I thought it was actually the seventh, the same day as the, the Ant-Man movie coming out. But apparently it was 10 days prior. But we're getting streaming on the 1st. We're getting physical on the 7th. And Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on, the, on February 15th. I would, again, prefer that this movie had been pushed to like March. For reasons, I've just I feel like it would as a as a bit of tact and taste would probably would have been better served not in Black History Month, even though you know. But we won't go into why, you know, what reasoning was behind that. But and I'm sure there will be people who would not agree with what I believe to be of poor taste. So we're gonna push on. Don Cheeto reflects on replacing Terrence Howard in Iron Man 2. Um, so this article basically cites a, an interview with GQ in which John Don Cheeto uses the opportunity to clear the air about how he uh, ended up taking over for Terrence Howard. <clears throat> Excuse me, for, for the road of James Rhodey Rhodes. Uh, Cheeto confirmed earlier reports claiming that he only had a few hours to decide whether he wanted to join the, the film's cast. Excuse me. However, he dispels the interviewer suggesting that he outvived <laughs> um, Terrence Howard out of the role, ins insisting that Marvel had already dismissed Howard from the franchise before calling him up. Regardless, it sounds as though they reached out um, at an inconvenient time. And apparently, according to this, he was at his kid's uh, laser tag party, which, yeah, I guess laser tag was still a thing around 2007, eight-ish, uh, roundabout. Go figure. But, yeah, uh, so that's the thing. Uh, and then the article kind of goes on to that as to his thought process around <laughs> and when he was doing around his uh, kid's party and whatnot. I won't go into it. You can read that for yourselves in the show notes. Uh, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur trailer reveals a secret experiment gone right. Um, also, the animated series is going to premiere on February 15th, which that's cool. Um, so, yeah, this is the... Um, 
says here that the new trailer from uh, the Moon, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur reveals that the title character hides an entire laboratory under a room, not that far off from the comic books. And that's probably where she'll spend most of her time when she's not saving the world or minding her pet dinosaur, which is accidentally brought uh, to her during a failed experiment. Now, it'll have to stay hidden in her laboratory and taste some homemade pie during this downtime, according to the article. Um, I am curious as to how much of the comic book version of uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur they're going to take up outside of the fact that the two characters are together. I can't remember. I, I remember there was a there was definitely some time travel reason as to why Devil Dinosaur ended up in to uh Lunella Lafayette's life. We shall see, I guess, um on the fifteenth how that comes about. But if you're interested in that, uh you should check out the trailer because it's out there. <clears throat> Rumor is that Marvel Studios is developing a Strange Academy series starring Wong. Uh, again, rumor. Nothing but rumor. You know, nothing nothing but rumor. Um, I try not to put too much rumor in this, except for stuff that either is tempting or funny, or teasing or funny. This one is probably um, the former, not the latter. But it is also a little bit funny. Because it's going to be centered around Wong, as we know, has gotten a lot of uh, um, screen time in the last couple of years. So, but according to the Cosmic Circus, uh, Marvel Studios is developing Strange Academy based on the fictional school of the same name that appears within the pages of Marvel Comics. Mind you, Wong, as I recall from it, we've we love uh, Strange Academy around these parts. Wong hasn't really had anything to do with Strange Academy at all. I'm trying to remember Wong showing up in the book maybe once if that or twice so that's curious but at the same time this is the MCU version and that is the one magical the the one other magical um, character I guess to do such a thing if they're going to do that Um, because they damn sure got rid of uh, uh, Dr. Voodoo uh, in the first Dr. Dr., uh, Dr. Strange movie Unless his brother comes into play, which, hey, sure. Um, yeah, where's the Dr. Voodoo movie? Like, come on. Anyway, um, <clears throat> says the rumored Disney Plus series will reportedly be, quote, one of the most uh, more important tie-in stories leading into the Kang dynasty, as it would also tie into multiple aspects of the MCU aside from the supernatural. Benedict Wong would lead the Strange Academy as Wong, and with uh, America Chavez's... Uh, um, um, I can't pronounce his name. Sorry, Exodo, uh, um, Gomez and Zelma Staten, Stanton, a character who will be introduced in Ironheart. Wait, Zelma Stanton is going to be introduced in Ironheart? That right there, I love to Zelma Stanton, um, uh, uh, in the Doctor Strange book. So that's cool. Um, if that is the case, again, all of this is rumor. So if she's going to be, I did not see uh, that Zelma, which is a weird place for her to be um, introduced at. But then again, given who Ruby's going to be fighting in Ironheart, that makes more sense, but still weird for that respect. Like she's, yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that as as uh, as time goes by. Again, this is rumor. If it happens, 
I would be curious of it. Um, I would definitely check it out if it actually happens. Star Wars Holiday Special Documentary Disturbance in the Forest to premiere at South by Southwest. So, apparently they're going to make a documentary on uh, the 1970, what, 7, 6, 7 uh, Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, much maligned, uh, for good reason, uh, Star Wars Holiday Special. <clears throat> but apparently... It says here that um, uh, da, 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 da. so disturbance in the force is directed by Jeremy Kuhn and Steve Kozak. Uh, the upcoming documentary various talents will discuss various aspects of making of the spinoff and the cultural phenomenon it has become such as it is. And then there's a bunch of people, uh, notable names who are going to be uh, talking heads in said documentary. Um, of which, if you're watching the video version, you can see see uh, Seth Green, Wada, Yekimvik, uh, Taron Killam, Gilbert Godfrey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to read up all of these names. But some folks, you would know Donny Osmond, really? Oh, right, because he, he and Murray was in that thing. was in the original production. Ha, that's funny. Um, a, disturbance in, a disturbance in the galaxy has no premiere date, but you can check out the synopsis uh, in this article. Uh, and apparently they also have a link to the Star Wars Holiday Special if you are so inclined to watch that and haven't already. <clears throat> Next up, two vibrant new posters for Shazam! Fear of the Gods showcases the superhero and the super family. So, yeah. Um, here are the... Sorry, I can't get rid of that box right there, but you can see the posters nonetheless. Um... For Shazam! Fear of the Gods. Uh, the movie is set to premiere on March 17th, 2023. So that is another possible candidate for movie protocol. We will see once time comes uh, comes up for that. Pretty certain we can safely say that there will be movie protocol for Ant-Man and the Wasp. I can pretty safely say that. Um, the Flash's Ezra Miller reaches a plea agreement in burglar case, but um, there has been an update to the case uh, per the Hollywood Reporter. So apparently the he's already gotten his sentencing and uh, Ezra Miller pled guilty to misdemeanor charges of unlawful trespassing in Vermont court on January 13th. Uh, as a part of the plea deal, Miller will uh, serve a year of probation and pay a $500 fine and a surcharge of $192. And he still gets to keep his job. That's mm. all of the charges against Miller, which includes petty larceny and burglary, were dismissed without prejudice. I think there's a lot of prejudice, you know, going on in this case. But anyway, however, if Miller were to violate the terms of their probation, the charges of burglary can be refiled. I suspect there has been some money. You know, all of that stuff that uh, WB Discovery has been doing probably is not for just tax write-off reasons. It's to keep his ass out of jail um, because they're still banking on his debt instead of recasting his stupid ass. But, you know, must be nice to be white. Um... The Penguin, the Batman's Penguin spinoff show begins production in February. 
So speaking to Variety, uh, Colin Farrell said that his exploration uh, of the character in The Batman, where the Penguin is sneaky and sleazy mobster who may or may not have done it, was just the tip of the iceberg, quote-unquote. There's a quote here from Colin Farrell. Uh, I have still not seen The Batman, nor Colin Farrell's portrayal, portrayal of the Penguin outside of the trailers, so go figure. Um... Uh, there's a whole lot of yada, 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 yada. I'm not sure when this show is going to actually happen, apparently. But they're, they're still working on it, so I'm sure we'll find out uh, uh, closer to that time. DC welcomes Stephen Amell back to the Arrowverse with a sweet message. Uh, so yeah, there's been reports and rumors of Stephen Amell possibly coming back to reprise his role as the green arrow in some way, shape or form, uh, in the last season of the flash. And, um, uh, apparently it is actually a thing that's going to happen. It says here that, um, yeah, it goes into the history of the Arrowverse and they're going into the flash and now it's going full circle with uh, Amel coming back for season nine to properly wrap up. Uh, see, DC Comics reached out to Amel on Twitter with a heartfelt message to celebrate the, act, uh, the, the actor's Arrowverse return. Um, Amel's Oliver Queen return will work uh, to connect the Flash with the show that started the Arrowverse properly and provide audience with the necessary closure from Oliver and Barry's longstanding friendship. Uh, Mel showed uh, he shares the fans and sentiment by posting a gif of Oliver hugging Barry with the car- uh, with the caption, of course I'm coming back, uh, which he's been kind of cagey about uh, when asked previous to this, by the way. Uh, DC decided to partake on the emotional moment and drafted a special Arrow-themed message to Amel, uh, which is um, attached to this article. So, there you go. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery says it's done killing off shows and movies just for tax write-offs. But I like how it says, I know maybe this was the article, the, the article writers uh, saying this, but just for tax write-offs, which means, yeah, they could kill stuff for, you know, other reasons, which they could, but still. It says here that speaking at Citibank's annual communications, media, and uh, entertainment conference, um, Warner Brothers Discovery CFO Gunnar Weidenfels um, said that um, was excuse me says that the entertainment conglomerate is getting ready to shift gears and put more of its energies into creating new things rather than tearing apart what already exists. Um, it also this article also goes on to say that uh, Weidenfels was adamant about 2023 being a year of relaunching and rebuilding. And uh, that um, says here that he said that Warner Brothers Discovery felt the need to take a little bit of time to make sure that we do it properly, quote unquote. By the way, HBO Max is um, is uh, bumping up their uh, um, subscription fee. I believe it's going to be sixteen ninety nine as opposed to fourteen ninety nine. So if you are paying for it and you haven't already seen that little bit of news, hey, guess what? There you go. <clears throat> I had an article on it, but I didn't put it in the in the thing. So, but you have been warned. 
Arrowverse co-creator Greg Belanti signs a major TV deal with Warner Brothers, which kind of had me scratching my head just a little bit. Um, but it says here that uh, under the new multi-year agreement, Berlanti and his production company, Berlanti Productions, will remain based at Warner Brothers for its television operations into the year 2027 and continue to develop new television programming for all platforms, including uh, Warner Brothers Discovery's HBO Max. Um, external cream streaming services and cable uh, slash broadcast networks. Quote, Greg is a huge talent and the impact of his prolific and powerful storytelling on Warner Brothers and audiences uh, and on our culture is just wow, says uh, WBD CEO David Zaslav. Right. He began his career with us and we are incredibly fortunate that we continue that he will continue to build and grow our TV studio into the future. So this so I had the question of the Arrowverse is pretty much no more uh, when the the Flash goes off the air. And I know they are still doing more DC projects. So there are other DC projects that are kind of still floating about that is going to be around. And I know Belanti has done other things other than the Arrowverse stuff, but that's pretty much the stuff that he's been known for. So I'm sitting here thinking, What? Is he going to do now that there's not much Arrowverse? I'm sure, like I said, there's probably some some DC stuff that's probably going to be overseeing. But um, oh wait, it says here that Berlanti is also de- developing a live action Green Lantern series, and uh, yeah, Flash is going, Riverdale's going, you uh, is his also, and Titans and Doom Patrol. Okay, it's still it's still around for the for the time being. So, uh, so yeah, there's still some DC related stuff uh, about just not ever reverse stuff. Go figure. Must again, must be nice. Agents of shields. Simmons actor directs a Gotham Knights episode. So Elizabeth Henstridge, who plays Jim Simmons on agents, who played Jim Simmons on agents of seal is set to direct a Gotham Knights episode. Um, which is one of the other DC properties uh, that is going to come at some point. Um, <clears throat> while the well, yeah, while the Arrowverse winds down on CW, the network still has a new DC TV show coming this year. There you go. Without any ties to the video game of the same name, Gotham Knights is premiering on March 14th, right after Superman and Lois. Um, it's from Batman, from Batwoman writers and executive producers. Uh, Gotham Knights follows Bruce Wayne's adopted son and several children of Batman's enemies. Despite coming from Batwoman's creatives, the show is not a spinoff as it has no ties to the Arrowverse. Um, yeah, according to this, Gotham Knights is one of the few DC shows that's going to air on the CW during uh, this spring. Is this another Berlanti joint? Probably. Um, doesn't matter. So, but we know it's coming. The Boys skewers Warner Brothers Discovery's gutting of HBO Max content because, you know, The Boys from Amazon, that, you know, conglomerate is making fun of another. Sure. Uh, but it says here that uh, back in August 2022, Void International made the announcement on Twitter that its various streaming apps, which doesn't exist in the real world, are being merged with Voight Plus, rebranding the service as Voight Plus Plus. 
Um, however, on January 4th, 2023, Voight reversed course, tweeting out, quote, to begin 2023, we're to unveil the most effective restructuring in entertainment history. Voight Plus Plus is now Voight Plus. Uh, we've unbundled your favorite apps like VTV Plus and VSPN Plus and eliminated 35% of our films, all for the new low price of $119 a month plus. So, you know, joke, joke, yuck, yuck. Rab rib. Uh, yeah. Earl Bowen, actor in the Terminator movies. Uh, well, notably, but he's the dude's been around a lot. He's kind of one of those. Oh, that dude. Um, but he sadly has passed away at age 81. Um, he played Peter Silberman in the Terminator movies. Uh, he died of. Apparently, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in fall of 2022, according to a, fa- a friend of uh, Bowen and his family's. So, let's see. He was in Terminator, Terminator 2, Terminator Rise of the Machines, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, as I didn't know he was in that last one. I don't even remember from the first one. But, yeah, I remember seeing him in, in other things. Um, But, yes, he was in those... He also appeared in archive uh, footage in 2019's Terminator's Terminator Dark Fate um, and has done a lot of things. Like I said, he's kind of one of those like, oh, that dude, you know, you, you've seen, especially like ladies, uh, excuse me, 80s and you know, 80s and 90s or whatnot. So uh, this article goes on to recount uh, his various things that he's done. Uh, and again, it's a lot. So uh, condolences to his family and, and friends from this passing. Uh, I'll speak, speaking of passings, Adam Rich, Edith is Enough star and Dungeons and Dragons star, who dies at 54. Excuse me. It says here that Adam Rich, uh, who I believe played the youngest on Eight is Enough, which if you are old enough to remember Eight is Enough, salute. Um, says here that Rich was found lifeless on Saturday at his home in Los Angeles as a family member confirmed to DMC. Uh, they did not provide a cause of death, but the police do not su- su- uh, suspect foul play. Um, so, yeah, again, if you're old enough to remember Age is Enough and the Dungeons Dragons um, animated TV show, he played Presto on the latter, and he was the youngest uh, kid on eight is enough. Uh, yeah, back in the late seventies and seventies. So, and he did a lot of other things outside of that, but those were his, you know, his, his couple of notable ones. Um, Oh yeah. Uh, says here that rich left show business in the eighties, having grown tired of the camera and celebrity life. Um, and apparently some other stuff, which you can read about, um, in the article in the show notes, if you so please. Tila and the Masters of the Universe short film exclusive premiere. Uh, so it's apparently some folks made a short film, uh, aforementioned named, which had a teaser trailer last uh, earlier this week, which uh, I did not know it was coming out before we were recording, but apparently it did. Uh, now, it sounds like a fan film, but it is not. Uh, apparently, it's more akin to a, um, an audition film because the star, Emily Ashby, uh, in the role of Tila, 
I guess, wants to be uh, thought about for the next um, Masters of the Universe film. So, oh, it's, and it says here, yeah, this is incredibly, according to this article, this is a fair, incredibly fun and action-packed short film, which is a proof-of-concept self-audition tape that was made to highlight the talents of uh, Emily Ashby for the role of Tila in the announced Masters of the Universe film. This is why the film focuses on Tila and not He-Man, and she's badass in the role, according to this article. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to check it out, it is in the article in the show notes um, for your perusal. A Dungeons & Dragons TV show is coming to Paralo- pa- Paralo- pa- Paramount Plus. Um says here that this new Dungeons & Dragons show apparently had interest from, quote, multiple buyers, according to Deadline. Uh, to the article writer, that's not too surprising, as the game has become increasingly popular thanks to shows like Stranger Things and Critical Role and uh, uh, the, the Adventure Zone. Um, you know, if you know those, you know, you, then you understand uh, and there will also be likely more eyes on the game very soon thanks to the celebrity filled Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Themes, Thieves, which is set to debut on March 31st. So Paramount could have a lot of people tuning in to this upcoming live-action show, according to this article. Um, I never did finish that Halo series, which apparently is getting a second season, so that's interesting. But yeah, if, you, if that's something that's going to interest you, hey, you check it out when it happens. Maybe we'll be talking about it when it uh, when it pops off. Michelle Yeoh's uh, Section Thirty One Star Trek spinoff series is still in the development. So, speaking with uh, TV Line, Chief Programming Officer Officer of uh, Paramount Streaming Service uh, Tanya Giles states that there are conversations happening about the show. It's still in development, and I'm hoping you can hear the air quotes about around both of those as I'm saying this. Uh, Zhao said, the, uh, not the last part, but the first part, the series, which was first announced following season one of Star Trek Discovery, will star Michelle Yeoh as Emperor Georgiou and focus on the mysterious section, section 31 of Starfleet. I believe the early days of said uh, section 31 as given uh, when Discovery is set. So I need to go back and watch Disco and um, and Strange New World. Because I, I have not been on either one of those, but uh, I'm hearing good things about both of them. I think, matter of fact, I think at I was watching Disco Discovery, and because I knew Michelle was was on it, part one, part of that, and also you know, um, uh, Martin Green. Uh, but then when Michelle Yeoh's character ended up uh, off the show uh, due to story reasons. Or yeah, uh, which was granted way early on in season one. I stopped watching, so you know that's probably says more about me than the show. Um, but speaking of Michelle Yeoh, um, Michelle Yeoh would not be played off during Golden Globe's acceptance speech. Now this I I did see actually um, on the this or her acceptance speech, which is not in the article I'm citing from, but it is in the, on another article. That I uh, that is attached to the uh, show notes right underneath it. 
So Michelle Yeoh won Best Performance by an Actress in a Musical or Comedy Motion Picture for her role in Everything Everywhere Once, which I've still not seen, at the Golden Globes, um, which is a a career first for the veteran actress. So long story short, she, um, you know, apparently she wasn't the only one who kind of, you know, brushed off the being played off because I think Colin Farrell did and some probably a couple other people did. But uh, the, the thing that was funny here was that, uh, and it was a very you know, touching acceptance speech that she was tr- trying to g- give when they were trying, while they were trying to play her off. And she basically says, and even though none of the articles that I've um, looked up say the whole quote, but um, when they started to play her off, she was like, shut up, please. I can beat you up. And that is serious. You know, um, uh, uh, and this is serious, excuse me. So, you know, and, you know, she, full of grace, as you would expect from Michelle, Michelle Yeoh. But then she kind of continued to her acceptance speech, which uh, if you don't, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out because um, it was it was a very good and touching uh, speech. Um, so, uh, like I said, check that out in the um, uh, article that I, the other article that I have uh Attached because the reason why I mentioned the people are not pulling the whole quote, like they pretty much say it's like, oh, she's threatened to beat up the the the, the golden gold leader, which kind of can be taken in a certain you know context. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure a lot of people would you know threaten to be uh, threaten those the people trying to play them off while they're trying to give an speech uh, a speech acceptance speech. Some of them probably need to be played off a little bit more. But you know, in this particular case. It wasn't necessary. If you're watching the video version, you can see the other article, which does have uh, from Variety, which does have uh, a link to the Twitter, uh, a, a Twitter link to, that has the um, the snippet of her acceptance speech. You should definitely check it out. Uh, Indiana Jones's uh, Kihu Kwan is open to a short round spinoff. Quote, I'm there, man. So Quan appeared on Josh Horowitz's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast and revealed his interest in a short round spinoff. So if folks don't know uh, and only know him from everything, everywhere at once, um, yeah, he was the character that played short round in Indiana Jones in The Temple of Doom uh, way back when. Uh, apparently he was 12 years old at the same time. So uh, at, at that time, excuse me. Uh, quote here, if Disney or Lucasfilm ever come to me and say, we want to do a short round spinoff, I'm there, man. Quan said, I love that character so much and it would just be incredible incredible to revisit so many years later. So, that's pretty cool. Um, that that he'd be open to that. So, and then the article goes on to ask, uh, you know, what would short round, or I guess they asked him on the podcast, what would short round be doing 30 years later? Um, which you can read the article and find that out for yourself is what his answer was. Um, and speaking of both of the a- actors just mentioned, American born Chinese first look, Michelle Yeoh and Ki uh, Hu Kwan uh, have everything everywhere at once uh, reunion on Disney Plus series, which is upcoming. So uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. So yes, there's an upcoming uh, Disney Plus series which we've talked about before called American Born Chinese, which is based off Jean Luan Yang's graphic novel of the same name, uh, and is being adapted by Kevin Yu for the streaming platform. The series follows uh, Jin Wang, 
the son of Chinese immigrants who struggles with assimilating in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. Jin escapes into fantasy realms to grapple with his emotions and encounters spiritual creatures like uh, Ganyan, the goddess of mercy, played by Michelle Yeoh. So yeah, it's like a you know like a little um. Uh, everything everywhere wants reunion with uh Michelle Yeoh, Ki Hu Kwan, and Stephanie Su. So that's cool. I again have not seen them, uh, everything everywhere at once, but I'm going to rectify that quite soon. Uh, come on. Silk co EP Jason Ning developing Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon series adaptation as the Inks overall deal with Sony Pictures Television. So, uh, Ng currently serves as co-executive producer on Silk, Spidey Society with uh, Angela Kang, the first in a suite of live-action series produced by Sony Pictures uh, Television for MGM+, and Amazon Prime Video. He's also currently developing a TV series adaptation of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and four other novels in Wang Dulu's Crane Iron Pentology. Uh, published between 1938 and 1944, which chronicles the struggles of four generations of Yushu, Yushua, um, a type of ancient Chinese warrior uh, folk hero. And I apologize if I'm butchering any of that. So uh, it is not, um, it, I'm not trying to do it on purpose. Uh, the Walking Dead spinoff release date frames reveal uh Revealed for Daryl, Negan, and more. So apparently, um, another Walking Dead spinoff is going to happen. Um, and it's going to be released. Uh, premieres sometime late in 2023. And it says that, uh, yeah, so they were given a timeline for uh, Fear of the Walking Dead Season 8. Uh, part one, Walking Dead, Dead City, Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, Fear the Walking Dead, uh, season eight, and a whole bunch of other Walking Dead stuff. The show that will basically never die, um, even though it deals with the dead. Ha ha, hee hee. Next up, uh, Fast X adds Leo Bello Perry as Vin Diesel's son. As I jokingly told um, uh, Agent Seventy before the show, like seemed like they're they're. Might be aging uh, Dom's kid up. Dom and, uh, well, uh, I was about to say Dom and Letty's kid, but it's not Letty's kid. So um, it's uh, Elena's kid with Dom. Anywho, um, it says here that uh, further plot details surrounding what direction, wait. Brian, oh, that's right, because I forgot that the kid's name was Brian. Uh, further plot details surrounding what direction Brian will be moving in uh, in the upcoming Fast X have yet to be revealed. Uh, but, you know, they're speculating he may father, he may be going in his, his uh, father's footsteps or not. We don't know. So, and apparently Fast X is going to uh, hit the theaters uh, May 19th, uh, I guess, of this year. So, Aha. This is going to be a packed year for things and possibly, well, at least the front part of this year for movie protocol, but we shall see. Now we go over into the anime corner, which I do not have a sound effect for. Anywho, um, 
So from the Anime News Network, we have the Winter 2020, uh, screen, Winter 2020 Anime Preview Guide, which some of stuff has already started. Um, but um, if you are into anime and looking for some new stuff to watch, hey, you should check out this uh, article in the show notes because it pretty much talks about the, the stuff that is premiering or, and or coming up uh, during winter the, the winter of uh, 2023, which is basically the first three months of this year uh, already. Um, and, uh, Buddy Daddy has already started. Watch that. That was pretty cool. Trigun, um, which is on this list. Trigun Stampede, which is also on this list, has already started. And both of those are pretty good so far. Um, I I didn't have that much um, expectation for Trigun Stampede, but, you know, you know, you know, I, I very much like the, the original. Um, this seems to be so far doing right by it, I guess, even though they kind of hit the ground running on a couple of things, which is kind of amusing. But um, yeah, I know Vinland Sagas for some people, but look at that. It's a fuss. I'm not going to go through this whole list, but um, there are some things uh, out there for your anime perusal. And speaking of Vinland Saga, uh, there's a poster that hypes up season two ahead of its premiere, which I believe at this point may have already dropped. But um, <clears throat> so the poster, uh, the anime posted a new key visual ahead of season two, and it was inked by animator Raita Kazama. Uh, the mapa artist gave Vinland Saga a pastel overview as uh, Thorfinn and his allies take up space against uh, a grassy background. And after not having seen the hero in the years, feels like um, feels good to reunite with the hero. According to this article, if you're watching the video version, you can see said um, art from the tweet uh, right there. You should really watch the, the video version sometime. Um, you know, we've got some stuff to check out there. Near Automata, which is also uh, premiered recently, uh, confirms episode count. Uh, this is one that I was actually looking forward to watching and I haven't watched it yet. So go figure on that, but I definitely will do so. Uh, as I move, think, 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 there we go. So near Automata version 1.1a dropped his very first episode and has gotten fans thinking about how far this series could go considering how long of an experience the original games are. Um, and given that this is near Automata, I think they meant game up because near, uh, the, I don't, as far as I know, near Automata and the, and the previous games are not connected or they may be in the same world. I'm not sure. There's, there's, I've never played any of those games except for near Automata. Um, but I know enough to know that they are slightly different than Automata is. I liked Automata from what I played of. I, I should go back to it. But I do want to also check out uh, the anime. And I am kind of actually curious um, where they plan on go from at least what I remember playing from, <laughs> from the game. And a, it can be a long game or can be a relatively short game, but, uh, but it's good. Anyway, it says here that Near Automata's anime will be running for two cores uh, with a total of... Cores is a new thing to me, so that's weird to still continue to see. Um, just say season. Anyway, but it's basically parts. Uh, with a total of 24 episodes. So I guess there's 12 and 12. 
Um, Though their report does not clarify whether these cores will be split or whether or not near Automata version 1.1a will be running straight through to the summer of uh, 2023 this July. So it's out there on Crunchyroll. If you if you have access to that, you could check it out yourself if you are a fan of the of the video game. My Hero Academia season six drops the anime's heaviest scene yet. I have not been watching it and I'm not going to spoil it for you folks. If you have been watching it and haven't seen that yet. So yes, apparently something, something, something sad happens. You can read about it in an article or just go ahead and watch the show. If you haven't already, uh, one of these days I'm going to get around to that show. Attack on Titan shares first look at the musical. So yes, there's an attack on Titan musical. Go figure. Um, so yeah, it says here that there's a promo in a to this article. The musical adapts, uh, Hajime Isayama's famous series in live action. The bridge is pretty solid. And despite all of the singing and dancing, according to this article, the project feels like a solid addition to the attack on Titan communicable community. Excuse me. That, that's kind of funny, but Hey, Things happen. Um, Chainsaw, uh, we're going into the... Uh, no, excuse me. Keep, we'll keep going. Anime and manga, folks. Chainsaw Man, Spy X Family, uh, or Spy Family, however you say it. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen rank on New York Times January bestseller list. So, um, those particular manga uh, show up on the bestsellers list in... Uh, Three, number 11, or uh, place three, 11, 12, and 14 for Chainsaw Man Volume 2. So Chainsaw Man, Spy Family, Jujutsu Kaisen, and then uh, Chainsaw Man Volume 2, respectively. So, yeah. Those those books are good, been doing good, as well as the anime. And those are good anime. So, Spy Family creator sketches Anya's wildest expression yet. Um, I'm still trying to get some sound bites from uh, Spy Family with her expressions or at the very least some good gifts of them because they are pretty priceless. Uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see say it said sketch uh, um, right there. But if not, it's it's a pretty interesting looking sketch and it is a sketch. Uh, Black Clover reveals the wild truth behind Yami clan's, uh, Yami's clan massacre. I'm not reading this anime, so I have, n- I mean, excuse me, this manga, so I have no idea what's going on in this thing, but I've heard about it, sort of. So it says here that Black Clover kicked off its final act in 2022, and it looks like creator Yuko Tsubata is keeping things hot in the new year. After all, Shonen Jump just dropped a slew of new chapters, and it was there fans checked in on Asta. As it turns out, his new mentor just got the shock of her life, and it's all because of the truth behind Yami's clan massacre had been revealed. Uh, the rest of the article is a spoiler for chapter 347 of uh, Black Clover. We won't be talking about that here. Going over into Toy Corner. Uh, let's see. Da-da-da. Hot Toys offers a photo reel Clone Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, if you don't know what that means, that means, uh, Ewan McGregor and, and not, 
Well, yeah, that means Ewan McGregor, basically, and not the um, the animated version, so to speak. Not saying they're not the same character. I'm just saying this, 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 there is a difference. Um, and Ewan McGregor did not actually play Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars series, so there is that. But nevertheless, we get Clone Wars, uh, we get Ewan McGregor version of uh, his character probably saying hello there. But given that it's a Hot Toys, um, Hot Toys toy uh, figure, it is a little pricey, but I'm sure it's worth the money for folks who want to have it and would like it. Um, if you're watching the video version again, you can see said figure uh, front and center. It is going to be $279 and ships sometime in 2024. Um, Klarna, folks. Klarna. Or whatever the other one, Afterpay. You know, just saying. Uh, there is another uh, action figure that is uh, all up for pre-order, and that is the Mr. Fantastic Diamond Select action figure, which uh, showed this to uh, Agent 70 prior to the show, because I knew he wasn't going to be around to to, uh, to see or talk about this here. You know. Uh, and again, you can see the figure if you're watching the video version. Uh, looks, you know, that's it looks good, but uh, as Agent 7 said, it's, it's not necessarily the, the same scale as um, uh, uh, Marvel Marvel Legends figures. Uh, there's a nice little um, stretchy effect that, is, as you can see from the, if you're watching the video version, that's kind of interesting. Also, weirdly enough, reminds me of Plastic Man and not, uh, not Mr. Fantastic, but hey, you know. Uh, but yeah, it is going to be thirty bucks and. Oh, uh, it's going to arrive in Q2 2023, so next quarter. Um, Takara told me Transformers Masterpiece Trainbot, uh, MGP 05 season official images and details. So I saw this one, um, on on Twitter because of um a link from Big Bad Toy Store, who's not a sponsor. Um, I'm just saying. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it is a place, not a sponsor. But if they want to sponsor us, hey, come on through. Uh, yeah. So, Masterpiece Transformers are pricey. I, you know, I love me some Transformers. I, I this like is it. basically one of five um of a set of combiners from the Japanese Transformers run. Uh, so, and all of them, from what I've seen of which this particular one, and I believe another one is also on pre-order according to big bad toy store. And I think like two of two or three of them are already out. Uh, and I believe this might be the last one to be out for, uh, for pre-order, which it says here is going to be shipping in or early October, 2023. So I might go ahead and put a, <laughs> I might put in a pre-order for this, even though that's a lot of money. Um, but yeah, Masterpiece, Masterpiece Transformers are a bit pricey, but man, they're 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 very good looking. And again, like I said, this is for like this is for Japanese Transformers, uh, not any, uh, not the not Astro Train from the American version of Transformers. And uh, this particular bot and four others combine into a uh, bigger bigger bot, as combiners tend to do. 
and I'm sitting here scrolling through the um, through the pictures here. There you go, and the accoutrement with a couple of train tracks that it comes with, um, and apparently it is this uh, is, is the arm of the combiner. So yeah, and you can see all of them, uh, all of the trains uh, separately. Uh, in this picture, so yeah, it's cool. I I I I love Transformers, but I know does stuff like that is kind of pricey. So yeah, a little bit away from me, but hey, who's to say it might happen? Although, oh shoot, um, I was gonna do to show and tell, but since my webcams doesn't seem to want to work. Speaking of Transformers, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that tonight, so I'm probably going to have to hold that off until next week. There we go. Hey, here you go. That's me, Ride a Cat. So maybe I can I can do this now, uh, but I'm going to have to figure out something for in a second. No, I won't. Uh, anyway, Marvel um, Amazon Prime has a free surprise for Marvel's fan for Marvel fans in that. Um, Let's see, Crystal Dynamics is basically giving uh, folks... Actually, this might be... You know what? This is kind of old. They gave away um, a free drop of Iron Man-themed items, but that uh, is... Um, it is now the 13th, and that was... Um, uh, that was a Prime Gaming uh, drop which ended on the 12th. So that's old news. My apologies for that. Um, crap. But basically, so there's going to be a new, um, I'm going to just read from my notes. I apologize. You get to see a little bit of behind the scenes because apparently Marvel.com is don't want to, um, don't want to, um, don't want to work right with, uh, with, with, with certain articles, apparently. Yeah, that's weird. So anyway, there's going to be a new Guardians of the Galaxy series uh, that, according to this article, go where no Marvel comic has gone before. Uh, this was teased at New York Comic Con, um, which we talked about previously on this show. Um, it's going to be written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, uh, writers of um, the current writers of Captain America, uh, Sentinel of Liberty. Um, and other things, uh, not that I think about it, and drawn by artist Kev Walker, who is apparently working on the Predator uh, comic book that actually had a um, had um, a new issue this week. So, and actually, here's what we're gonna do here, and boop, there we go. Thank. Um, we'll pull this up so we'll have something to refer to. But yeah, um, it's another another series, and apparently, um, I've seen this uh, said to be a, a mix of next wave and um, actually, wait, does it say in the thing, or was that something I saw on Twitter? But yeah, it says is the reason by the daring into the unknown, a new phenomenon known as group fall, and an overwhelmingly powerful threat that will force the guardians on a new mission that will test their limits as a found family. 
Uh, first seen in the foreboding teaser, Group 5 will not only push the team to their breaking point, but will also drive them out of of out to the furthest reaches of space where they'll encounter strange worlds in desperate need of the Guardians. Um, fans were glimpsed uh, Kev Walker's inspired new designs for the core cast uh, for Star-Lord, Grimora, Drax, Nebula, and Mantis. Notable, uh, there's another team member that is uh, missing for a reason. Uh, but now, um, yeah, we, we got that coming. That, I'm pretty sure that missing teammate uh, is uh, part of the reason why they're missing. So if you're watching the video version, you can see the art. I'm particularly fond of uh, uh, Gamora's outfit uh, for reasons I will not disclose because this is a family show. Um, but uh, it is interesting that uh, they have these particular types of uh, outfits now. Uh, and I'm sure we will find, find out what reason why we have said that they have said outfits. Moving right along, though, Marvel's upcoming Wolverine and Nightcrawler hybrid, Wang Wagnering, explained. So uh, this is coming. This is about the upcoming uh, X-Men Sins of the Sinister event, which features a Nightcrawler Wolverine mashup, uh, amongst others. So at first blush, it's like I'm sure some people and some people I know have said that, but um, it seems silly, but also think about it a wolverine that can teleport how crazy is that and uh, by crazy i mean cool so yeah i'm just saying and i know this this is probably start going to start playing on some of the things that we got teased in hard box for the future of the x-men if that's going to be allowed to you know uh happen if anything else uh, and I say that for a reason, for for um, which we'll have to see after this uh, sense of the sinister event uh, goes down, because I know the fall of X is also a thing around the corner. So that's yeah. There's a reason why I say that. That is that reason. But nevertheless, um, says here that uh, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, the writer of the tie-in series Nightcrawlers describes Senator's living hybrid concoctions. So Cy Spurrier is writing Nightcrawlers, which I guess is the mini-series in the Sins of Sinister event that's going to be uh, focused on the Nightcrawler-Wolverine mashup. So I'm slightly kind of curious about this. It says here it's a three-issue series that spans from 10 to 1,000 years in the wake of some unknown machinations by uh, Sinister drastically altering the future of the X-Men, which also gives me, makes me think, okay, well, the future that we kind of heard about in the beginning of Hoxpox, maybe this, and maybe not actual Marvel future, which is always a possibility in this situation. Um... So, slightly a bummer, but could be something uh, based on how I felt about the series, uh, based on the the X corner of the uh, Marvel Universe so far. But we'll see how things go. Can't be no worse than Dark Web. Um, next up, though, dang it, um, New Mutant Karma is uh, the star of 
um, in a romance anthology series, Love Unlimited, which is a um, Marvel Unlimited uh, Infinity story. Um, so if you have access to Marvel Unlimited and can ha- access to the to the Infinity uh, um, uh, web comics, then you can be able to check this out. So apparently, it's kick- it's already kicked off today in or I guess as of this article, which was a couple of days ago, Love Unlimited Infinity Comic number thirty one, and uh, the title is Karma and Love, which is the latest six part story arc. In the romance anthology series by Harvey Award-winning uh, writer-artist Trung Lei uh, Gwen and colorist Triona Farrell, with new issues coming out every Thursday on the app, Love Limited uh, offers romance and heartbreak, tension and drama, all while driving into the relationships of Marvel's most swoon-worthy characters. I believe Viv Vision kind of kicked off that series, and I don't think I remember finishing. Uh, that particular story, but so I probably will check that out. And of course, the storm story that I just got not too long ago is also um, from Marvel dot uh, com. Does not want you to load, but uh, this May Storm will headline a brand new solo series that spotlights why she's one of the the most uh, powerful heroes in the Marvel universe. A thrilling five issue limited series, Storm will be written by groundbreaking creator Anne Nocenti, known for a definitive run of Daredevil and her storied career as an X-Men editor. In the same spirit as titles such as Symbiote Spider-Man and Venom Lethal Protector, where the industry's greatest creators take a retro spin on Marvel heroes and key moments throughout Marvel Comics history, Storm will delve into Storm's uh, fan-favorite punk era. So, back with the Mohawk. Joining Nocenti will be artist Sid Koshian, who just teamed up with Chris Claremont to revisit another classic period for Storm in the recently acclaimed Gambit Limited series. The upcoming series will see Storm's Omega-level mutant guests evolve in a radical way, causing her to lose control at a pivotal time in her journey as leader of the X-Men. In the tumultuous journey that follows, fans will see Storm confront a new nemesis, perform breathtaking never-before-seen feats, and even fall in love. So, I am looking forward to that because I am a fan of Storm. Um, So, anything with her in it is great for me. Marvel reveals first look at 2023's Marvel... Mm -hmm. Sorry. Okay. Just checking the time here. Marvel reveals first look at 2023's free comic book day, uh, and the X-Men are going back to classic comic books. So Marvel Comics has released the first look at this year's free comic books day offerings, and it sounds like they're going back to the 90s, folks. Excuse me. says here for this year's free comic book day... Um, Marvel Comics will have something for every fan, offering four separate titles packed with exciting entry points into the Marvel Comics mythos. In addition to lead-in stories to the biggest comic book sagas of 2023, including Fall of X and Jonathan Hickman and Valeria Schiede's upcoming epic, um... Oh, sorry, that was a comma there. Uh, these titles will also spotlight creators and characters from different... Uh, cultures, communities, and identities, providing the perfect first comic for new readers. This is why I mentioned the stuff uh, earlier, because Fall of X is probably going to kill the current run of uh, the X corner of the uh, universe, 
which would have come earlier than now, but apparently there were people who wanted to play in that uh, a little bit more. Um, whereas, you know, Hickman already said, well, I, I already written it out, but we'll let folks play for a little bit more. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that was. I, if it does end up being the, the, the true end of this particular run of the Xbox or at the very least this volume of it, uh, the Hickman, what Hickman started with Hawkpox, I'm going to miss it. Cause this has been some really good stuff and some potential good stuff that, you know, folks could play in and have been. So, but yeah, you can find details on the comic books, uh, in this article, um, and according to this article, they're saying that uh, they're sure that uh, the timing isn't coincidental given that X-Men 97 is coming to Disney Plus in late 2023, which is a thing. Uh, crap. Okay, so Marvel Comics celebrates 100 years of Disney with variant covers starring Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, and more. Um... If you're around earlier in this here podcast or watching the video version, which I've said probably about 20 times already, you've seen one particular cover um, for, um, <clears throat> excuse me, for um, Amazing Spider-Man 17, which I'm pretty certain I can probably pull back up real quick while I'm reading this. Yeah, here we go. And I'll just zoop that over there while I read this. So the Walt Disney Company will mark its 100th anniversary in 2023 and will celebrate its incredible storytellers, creators, and fans who together sparked the magic and wonder of Disney. Disney 100 is a celebration of that journey and will bring uh, new experiences with beloved characters around the globe. And Marvel Comics Synergy will be marking the occasion with a special monthly Disney 100 variant cover program featuring the aforementioned Disney characters. Uh, the variant program in honor of Disney 100 will celebrate Marvel's past, present, and future through the classic "What If" lens. Uh, as you can see, the the one that is being shown right now is, uh, you know, Mickey and, and crew as the the original Avengers, which is a cool cover. Um, I believe that was supposed to be for Amazing Spider-Man uh, 17, or at least a. a cover that I saw was, although it's weird to have an Avengers cover for um, that book as opposed to a a Spider-Man one. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the original article uh, in the story notes has a few other covers that you can probably check out. Um, It's some curious stuff. I legit kind of would want, wouldn't mind seeing some actual books with the characters as the Marvel characters, but, um, yeah. So yeah, it says here that the, uh, variant covers will be found on select upcoming issues of amazing Spider-Man starring, starting with this week's amazing Spider-Man 17, like I just said. So there you go. And there's also black and white versions of, uh, said covers. So there you go. Uh, let's back over here. Millar World's 2023 crossover event includes 24 uh, different franchises. Uh, let's see. So, Mark Millar's comic book creations, creations are coming together in this year in the crossover series Big Game, which will unite a diverse slate of Millar World books from Kick-Ass to Nemesis. Um... 
Our books over the next few months will lead into a crossover, which ties together all the middle world franchises. And I believe Nemesis might have come out this week, but I don't think we get those. So uh, this was a quote from Millar, Mark Millar, uh, as told to SFX Magazine. There are actually 24 franchises altogether, if you count series like uh, Kick-Ass, Kingsman. Yes, Kingsman and Kick-Ass both are uh, Mark Millar creations. And Hit-Girl. So we're putting them in a one mega store, which brings them all together. I'm slightly curious about that on, uh, for myself, but like I don't think we get those books. So I have to find a way to uh, uh, grab those. So it says Millar, whose Millar World imprint was purchased by Netflix in 2017, previously announced in um, August 2022 that the crossover would feature many, if not all, of Millar World uh, franchises and would launch in the spring of 2023. So joining Millar on the series is Pepe Larez, who is widely known for illustrating Marvels at various X-Books. So there you go. Uh, you can check that out if you can get a hold of those books. Uh, LeVar Burton to host children's podcast Sound Detectives. Uh, during, during the spring, the podcast produced by Sirius XM Stitcher will bring young listeners onto a narrative adventure about sounds that are going lost in the wild. And it's LeVar Burton. So who, you know, who wouldn't want to check that out? So it says here it was created by Burton in collaboration with uh, Julia Smith and Joanna uh, Sokolowski. Sound Detectives begins with the premise that sounds are starting to go missing in the world and the culprit appears to be the so-called sound swindler. To solve the case, the, the, the characters Detective Hutch, Hunch and Audie the Ear will lead kids on a narrative adventure that uh, engages their listening skills as they compare and contrast sounds. Each episode will also take place in a different location in the world, showcasing different cultures as young listeners try to identify what a sound is and where it is coming from. So that's cool. Apparently this was, um, um, Mr. Burton spoke at CES about the said project. So cool. Uh, doesn't say when exactly. Uh, outside of the spring that this is going to happen. But hey, look out for that if you're interested. Transformers IDW Publishing gave an iconic uh, Decepticon his own sister. This is spoilers for Transformers The Last Bot Standing, uh, which I think I started reading, but I have not read the last couple of issues. Um, the only thing I can tell you about that is Rodimus Prime is apparently the last Autobot. And uh, it's kind of has a old man Logan feel to it. Uh, actually, a similar vein. So, and I guess if you can count Last Ronin too, but not. But yeah, I guess you can. So, um, but yeah, apparently, it says here the Decepticon Revolutionary Steel Draw uh, quickly became a favorite amongst fans and critics of the. Uh, Cartoon Network show Robots in Disguise. I don't think I've ever seen it. Pretty sure. But um, apparently in last uh, bot standing, they gave Steeljaw a sister who, according to this article, was inspired by Nick Roche's daughter. Um, says, uh, is a red Decepticon named Sharpclaw. Yep, started as an original character created by Roche's daughter, like I said. So, cool. 
I will have to catch up with Last Spot Standing. It's only like five, I think it's like five issues, and I think it's probably like two or three years have uh, have been out at this point, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin, the covers arrives in June. So it says here that uh, it's a new companion volume to um, the New York Times bestselling Last Ronin collection will feature hundreds of covers. And if I remember correctly from when The Last Ronin came out, there were definitely a lot of covers that they had uh, um, they had for those. And I know there is, as a matter of fact, coming in the next what couple of weeks, there is going to be uh, another chapter of The Last Ronin Saga um, which is, I think, a prequel to The Last Ronin uh, that I believe coming is coming the last weekend of this month. Uh, so which means probably like two weeks or so. So, but anyway, if you um, if you're interested in the covers for said books, is uh, the covers um, is going to be a 200 page full color hardcover serving as a comprehensive showcase of each and every cover variant over the span of the series. Um, yeah, and this article just kind of goes into it. And I don't think it's going to, um, I don't think it's going to go over the upcoming, uh, prequel series. So I guess it's just for the original five, uh, five issues. Yeah, five issues that has over 200 covers. So that's kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, it is going to be for $34.99. Uh, it's 200 pages, like I said, full cover, hard cover, and it's going to be on sale June 13th, 2023. Um, normally, we don't like to talk that much about Fox News because anybody who, you know, watches... And, and and or into that kind of stuff is no one that I really want to do, do anything with. But I thought this was funny because this is something we talked about last week that was kind of n- not really a story. But so Fox News took aim at both DC and the Clown Prince of Crime during a recent broadcast, blasting a story that showed the Joker giving a giving birth as an example of quote unquote woke garbage. Quote, no longer the Joker, he's now the Walker, said Fox News contributor Joe Concha on Fox and Friends first. <sighs> I'm not going to read the rest of this, but he basically has a quote of the stupid shit he said, but and apparently did not read what the actual story was. And you know what? I, I would say something, but this is being recorded, so I'm not, you know. Uh, yeah, it's Fox News being Fox News and all their stupidity. That's all I will say. Um, Mark Wade is working on multiple unannounced DC projects, uh, apparently. Uh, and this is uh, from an interview on TBR with the writer who uh, originally discussing Lazarus Portland, which is the thing that's going on right now. Um, uh, it says here that... Um, yeah, there's a the Lazarus Planet uh, Alpha Number One starts a brand new event for DC Comics that will run between January and February 2023. Um, it says and here that Wade was asked what else that he had coming up for DC and that he's more that he's most excited for. Um, 
says here that last Lazarus Planet, Batman Superman World's Finest, which is a book that uh, he's currently writing, Shazam, and otherwise. Uh, why way to respond it? Uh, I'm having a ball doing World's Finest, but there's an otherwise. There are two otherwises, according to what he just said. Um, one of them we've talked about a little bit on that that um, whatever that interview that there's that they have going on, and uh, looks like something that uh, Mate Wade is working on some stuff for the Dawn of DC lineup that is uh, forthcoming pretty soon. So, yeah. And then the article goes on to share some other stuff that they talked about during the interview that he's working on. So that's cool. Uh, DC's new trans masculine hero wields the opposite of Flash's speed force. Uh, from DC's Lazarus Planet Dark Fate number one, um, there will be the introduction of a new trans hero named Jules Jordan, uh, also known as Circuit Breaker, who holds a strong connection to the Still Force. Uh, writer and artist A.L. Kaplan shared a first look at Circuit Breaker on Twitter. Uh, said, quote, meet Jules Jordan. He, they, a.k.a. Sword uh, Circuit Breaker, Kaplan captioned, uh, reads, can a new hero channel the inexorable steel force energy to fend off evil? Unquote. Um... Guess we'll find out on Valentine's Day uh, when uh, Dark when, as Lazarus Planet Dark Fate number one um, premieres on that date. So, and according, uh, and I guess he's responding. Oh, uh, I guess according to this article, uh, Kaplan responded to a comment saying that Jules is a trans man, but not super into the binary. And then I guess it goes on from there because uh, uh, a DC editor kind of expounded on that uh, going further, which you can check out in the article uh, in the show notes. Last but not least, uh, Sean Murphy doesn't know if Batman White Knight's fourth chapter will happen. So, um, yeah, Sean Gordon Murphy took to Instagram, uh, to an Instagram story specifically that said, that he wasn't certain if he'd be up for future tales starring the Dark Knight following the end of Beyond the White Knight, which concludes in February. Quote, now the big question, will there be a volume four? Uh, Murphy wrote in a series of story posts on Instagram that details his thoughts on the series. Uh, Beyond ends on a huge cliffhanger, and I have a story for version four that I'm very excited about, but I'm not sure if it'll continue because I've been doing Batman since 2017, and it might be wise to leave and reinvent myself so my career doesn't go to, doesn't get stale. End quote. So I have been a big fan of this Murphy verse Batman. In fact, this is probably the only other Batman series that I have been reading outside of I Am Batman uh, by John Ridley. And um, I can't say there's been you know some stuff that probably wasn't necessary in it, but you know you gotta expand out the world, so I can't be too too upset about it. But it's been good stuff uh, by and large. Um, and if you ever get a chance to check out um, Sean Gordon Murphy's uh, Batman White Knight series, especially from the beginning, you should definitely check it out because it's not... Um, especially that first one was, was really, really good to, to kind of set everything off. Um, so, yeah, I um, I um, 
I very much liked uh, that series, th- those series. And it was just still going with Beyond the White Knight, which is pretty much the Batman, Batman Beyond uh, sort of, or a Batman Beyond story set in that universe. But, um, but not necessarily goes the exact same way of, um, of the animated series and the like. You know, and, and, and any comic book stories therein. So, there is that. And with that, we are going to... Um, I forgot I need to pull this up. I'm going to get into one last ad read before we push off of here. Uh, as I pull up said script. And uh, if you're watching the show version one last time, you can hear me say... Uh, that this ad is for Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click uh, keep our podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it be whether it's books, music, electronics, cherry, apparel, and more. Uh, you know, Marvel selects, uh, I mean, Marvel Legends figures, Transformers, and XY, you know, any other things. Um, for every purchase made on uh, Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSP in a payment that helps us keep the, the Coastal of the Podcast Network, uh, excuse me, the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost. I don't usually be, I'm not usually the one uh, doing these, so forgive me. Amazon through CSPN dot dot US do it today. And with that, folks, I'm just going to whip it back right here. There we go. All right, folks, that ends the show uh, for tonight. But actually, let me see if this plays. So maybe I can do this right now. There is a little bit of show and tell um, as I push for some time here. Oh, yeah, I got five minutes. So uh, I think I can do that. So let's see if this is going to play. This is not going to. Oops. Yep. Find it. Find it. Hmm. I don't think this is going to play. Okay. You know what? Fine, we can do. We don't need that. Well, I'll just do this next week when uh, everything's back to normal. But basically, I ended up getting um, a new transformer. It is the Top Gun mashup uh, transformer. Uh, it just arrived in the mail. I check out my Instagram, and you can see um, pictures of it there, still in the box, which I haven't taken it out of the box yet. So, yeah. But that being the case, folks, we are going to end this show uh, as rapidly as we can because, wow, I didn't realize what time it was. Uh, but my name is Cat. You can find me at Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, and all the umbrella sites they're in. Uh, and Tim, D O G G 9 8 on Twitter, uh, the click nation on Twitter, that's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N. 
uh, CB Cron, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. And last but not least, you can find Tim over at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. Yeah, go check him out. Tim Adams over on comicbook.com. Go check out his stuff, read his thing, you know, read his, read his stuff, give that man some clicks and likes. But actually read his stuff because he actually does some good writing. Um... You can also find this here podcast on the podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the coastal of the podcast network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us on the coastal of the podcast network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us streaming every Thursday, normally every Thursday night on uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles and youtube.com slash the click nation uh, appreciate anybody for coming through whether you be lurking or not or catching us after fact on uh you know on one of those places or the audio version which you will find on cspn.us uh, a couple of days after we're recording give us likes five stars all that kind of good good jazz um if you please we'd appreciate it we're 500 episodes you know we've been doing this for a while and we're going to continue doing this until we can't or, or something around that bout and with that folks this has been the Cumber chronicles uh peace and